men and amen. Appreciate those men. Amen. Luke chapter 18, where we're at tonight. Luke 18. As we, uh, as we, you're turning, or we already turned there, but I'm going to get some props set up here in just a minute. Got a little bit of an illustration tonight for us. And uh, as we look, we think about this. Praise God. I had, uh, had this big plan. Had screens involved and everything. Brother Williams was just flying high. He was like, man, I'm excited. We've got screens and uh, all this stuff. And then, the, you know how the devil's in the sound system? You know how that works? Right? So they ain't working tonight. <laughs> but that's all right. Lord has another plan. So two different chairs tonight. I know if you're on that side and you're on that side, you have a little hard time seeing. And I just I apologize. There's two chairs tonight, okay? And you can be in either one. Notice here in our scripture tonight how we have two men of God, two, excuse me, two men coming to the house of God. Two men coming to the house of God, right? So we have the Pharisee on one side, right? He's mentioned there. He's, it says here, uh, Uh, The Pharisee, verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, right? Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Catch what he's saying there. God, thank you for for making me who I am, that I'm, I'm not like that guy over there. He says, I fast twice in the week. Where in the Word of God are we supposed to tell everybody that we're fasting? That's between you and God. That's not to brag on. That's not to tell everybody. Jesus said, why why are you when you're fasting? Why you got your lip dragging the floor? Showing everybody that you're going through a hard time. It's not about you and everybody knowing what you're doing. It's about you and God and your relationship. That's what that's about. So we have a Pharisee here, and he's kind of just promoting himself a little bit. And, and, uh, he's, and I give tithes on all that I possess. Yeah. Hey, praise God, I could put $1,000 in the offering today. God didn't tell us that we're supposed to do that. We're not to be bragging on these things. We do it out of a heart before God. And then on the other side, you got, you got the publican. Right? Did you catch that? And it says here, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven... But smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Consider these men tonight. Pharisee. We oftentimes, we mention that word. We we talk about Pharisees. But what does that really mean? The word Pharisee is defined in the Hebrew as a separatist. Okay, It means they were separate. They were set apart for a purpose. The, the Pharisees on their own uh, d- decided to be a, exclusively religious and they, they were a Jewish sectary, if I can say it that way. They were a sect of the Jews and they said, we're going to do everything just right and we're going to make sure that we cross all the T's, dot all the I's. We've got everything as, for, as far as the Jewish law is concerned, just right. You with me now? Okay, that, those were the guys on Sunday morning. They made sure that they had their Sunday best on, just, just right. They made sure they put their offering in the offering plate and that everybody saw them do it. They made sure that, you know, they were in their place at the, at the door greeting people or on the bus or, or singing in the choir or whatnot and made sure that everything they did was just up to par. They weren't going to be late to church. They were going to be on time. 
They were going to have their Bible. They were going to look to look and, 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 uh, and make sure that they had everything just right. Listen here. The Pharisee here in this passage, he knows he's a good man. He knows he's doing what's right because he purposes to do it. You catch that? Self-righteousness. Lord, thank you. I got it all together. I'm doing just fine. This man over here, this publican, the publican was, um, let me, I wrote it down here. I want to get it right here. He's defined as a tax farmer. Okay? What that means is a collector of public revenue. That's what a publican was. Public revenue. Publican. He went around taking, taking taxes. He worked for the Roman government. And he would literally line his pockets off the people's money. Because he would go and he'd come down here to Brother Christian and he'd say, Brother Christian, you owe me $10. And Brother, Brother Christian couldn't do anything about it. He'd go, okay, i gotta, I got to pay you $10. But what, what, what you don't know is that you actually owe the Roman government $7. But, but uh, Brother Christian, you owe, the, you owe the government $7. But the tax collector is telling you he owes 10 And he's putting the rest of it in his pocket. People didn't trust them. They knew they were cheats, these publicans. And the publicans knew it too. They knew exactly who they were. They knew their past. They had proof to who they were. They had some sin on their account. They were, they were, this, this man was dirty coming before. They were in the temple here. He's, he's coming to a time of prayer and he knew his sin. That's why he's beating on his chest going, God, forgive me. I know who I am. Different, different attitude, isn't it? Different attitude. Just for a moment, let's just, let's just talk about that for just a minute. Here's a man probably been saved a while and, and, and in the Bible and, and got everything just right and all this. And he's got the part and he looks the part and he serves God. And he was working his bus route this week. And here's a man just got saved. He smells like alcohol and cigarettes. And he's not dressed just right, but he's here and he's excited. Can I tell you what? God is more concerned about the direction you're headed than where you are right now. Let me say that again. God is more concerned about the direction you're headed than where you are right now. Because some of us have been saved so long and in the same spot and in the same seat that we're actually going backwards. Because we think we got it all out. We got it all figured out. I don't need to come to Sunday school. I've been in Sunday school my whole life. I've, I've heard it all. You know what that is? It's going backwards. That, that's, us, that's us backsliding. Just, hey. I've been here a while. I've got it. I'm good. Yeah, I've reached that age. I don't need to do that stuff anymore. And this guy over here, though he doesn't look just right, and though there's some things that he's got to learn yet, some things he's got to figure out yet, the Lord has patience and loves the direction he's headed because he's growing. Amen? Listen, in our church, there are people that are hooked on some, some substances that they ought not to be hooked on. But is there, if they're growing and they're learning to get rid of that junk, praise God. There's some people in this room that are hooked on pornography. In a church our size, you better believe it. That's, that's, that's what happens. It's not just men anymore. It's women too. But if we're growing and we're realizing that that's sin and we're, we're starting to let go of these things and start coming 
more like, becoming more like Jesus Christ, that's where it's at. God's glorified with that. Consider the woman caught in adultery at the temple. God said, God said, go and sin no more. He didn't stone her. He forgave her and said, go and sin no more. You got some things to learn. I have compassion on you. Amen? The thief on the cross was dying in his sin, dying because of his sin. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Amen? The direction here, the direction. Both, are, both of these men are in a good place, but the attitude made all the difference. Attitude made all the difference. Now, got another, just to add to this visual tonight, just a little bit. And uh, again, forgive me for the screens, you'd be able to see it a lot better. But this is what we got tonight, all right? I got a piece of paper, I'm going to tape on this chair, and if you can't see it over there, it says with. It's green, and it says with. Okay, just visualize it being really big on that screen. Just visualize it, okay? That'll be all right. All right, and then we come over here, and I got, a, I got, a, I got another uh, sign here on this chair. And again, if you can't see it, it says against. It's red, and it says against. All right, two different chairs, with and against. Okay, I want you to consider that for a little bit. All right, let's take our Bibles now. Let's go back a couple chapters to Luke 14. Let's go back to Luke 14, please. In Luke 14, look at verse 7, please. Here Jesus has been invited to, uh, to a, a home, to a guest, to actually to a wedding here. And look what he says, verse 7. This is Luke 14, 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding... Sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. That, that word room, that word room. I know many of us, to, right now, we're thinking about different rooms in a house. We're thinking about bedrooms or the sanctuary versus the foyer or the, or the Smith conference room versus uh, Brother Jake's uh, uh, classroom up there or whatever the case, right? Different rooms. That's not how this is being used here. Room, instead of being a, a physical room location in the house, is rather room at the table. Okay? If you, if you came down to a crowded table and you might say, hey, make room for me. That's the kind of room we're talking about. We're talking about a place, a setting at the table here. Okay? If you can envision this, this is not our culture here. This is a different culture. This is Eastern. This is, uh, this is quite a while ago. Okay? If you consider tab uh, the tables in Eastern culture. Remember, they didn't do it like we did. They, don't, they didn't have a table with a chair that they sat at. Okay? In fact, the table was more so low to the ground... And they literally reclined or laid down on their side up to the table. If you, if you have 
this picture of the Last Supper with the, with the 12 disciples and Jesus Christ and they're sitting upright and, and on a chair and they're eating, that's not, that's not the way that that would have happened. That culture, in fact, they had a table that would have been lowered to the ground and they would have laid on one side and their, their, the clean hand or the hand they ate with would be the hand free that they would have laid up against the, laid up to the table on pillows or cushion or whatnot and ate that way. It was reclining. When I looked up this word room, this was the definition. A reclining first, as in place of honor. Not first as in first and second, but as in honor, as in first, as preeminent. Okay? A reclining first, as in a place of honor, at the dinner bed. Preeminence at meals, the chief spot, chair, or placement. Okay, and so this is what's going on in this culture at this time. Now, consider this feast. It's a wedding feast is what Jesus is explaining here. I want you to picture in your mind, please, three tables tonight. Three tables. And let's say there's a table at a slant this way, and then there's a table right here, and then there's another table over here at a slant, if you would. Okay? Now picture three seats, or three places rather, at each table. So, if we have three tables, come on, math scholars, we have three tables and three places at each table, how many places we got? We have nine, right? The center of each table was a place of honor. Okay? So, see, if, if you numbered them, so Hebrews number, they always go right to left. They don't, they're not like American and, and English. They don't go left to right. They go right to left. Hebrew is, Hebrew is written right to left. Okay, so if you can picture it right now, one, two, and three seats here, th- uh, four, five, and six here, and seven, eight, and nine over here, if you can picture that. So in, in, in place number two, in the middle of this first pe- table, that's a place of honor. It's the, middle, it's the middle placement. Over here, number five is the middle placement, that's a place of honor, and number eight over here is a place of honor. However, the center placement of the center table is the special guest of honor. If you were at a wedding, that would be where the bridegroom sat. Okay, there's a reason why there's a head table often in, in, in weddings. So it's a place of honor. It's in front of everybody. And, and that table, the center table and the center spot would be where the most important would be. Now, number nine, all the way over to this side, that would be the host. He would take the lowest, the lowest spot on purpose. Okay. And so what Jesus is saying here is when you come to this feast, he says, don't go after the highest spot. He says, he says, Pastor John, you come to this feast, don't just go plop yourself down in spot number five. In fact, don't go plop yourself down in, in seat number two. But better yet, take the lowest seat possible and let other men praise you and, and bring you to a higher placement. That's what he's saying. Saying, don't exalt yourself. Let somebody else do it for you. Amen? It would be, it would be a shameful thing to be in a seat and the master, the host, and, and, and uh, I guess the guest that's supposed to be in that seat had to come to you and say, look, buddy, you're in the wrong chair. You think too much of yourself. Get up and move. Now, we think that to be rude, but that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying in that culture, that's what it was. And there was certain guests of honor. We understand this. You have a guest over your home. 
Listen, if I have guests over my home and, and my family is six in number, we fill up the table. But if we have a guest over to our home, it's my children that are sitting on the piano bench or, or that are going over here or going over there and eating while the guests are at the table. You with me? Right? That's, we understand these things. We understand these things. So that's what the Lord is talking about here. He says, if you choose a place that's higher or more honorable than somebody meant for you to be in, it'll bring you to shame. And then we get to verse 11. We read it the first time in chapter 18. We're reading it again in chapter 14. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, if you would, please, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 tonight, please. My question is to you tonight, as you're turning there, here's the illustration in front of us. We have a chair right here that says with. And we have a chair over here that says against. Now, let's, let's consider that as a chair that you're going to sit in. You have to choose one of these chairs. You have to choose either with or against. And let's, let's say that's talking about God with you. Do you want God to be with you? Or do you want God to be against you? Which one do you want? Do you want God to favor you and bless you and give you, give you gifts, grace? Or do you want God to oppose you? Let's look at our passage here tonight. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. Consider what the Bible is saying here. In the first few verses, it's talking about the preachers. It's talking about elders or the, or the pastors here. And they're feeding the flock, verse 2. And uh, that, that uh, verse 3, they're talking about being examples to the flock and all of that. Look at verse 5. We know these verses here. Look at this. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Okay. Is that talking about age? Is that talking about a young man submitting to an old man? I believe there's application there. I believe that's right. But it also, I believe, is talking about those young in the faith also submitting to the elders of the church as well. Me and the pastor. I believe that's a great application as well. Look what it says. Likewise, ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject, watch this now, one to another. And be clothed with humility... For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Friends, you, you know who I am. Many of you are starting to learn who I am. This is, a, this is an issue. This is something that the Lord and I talk about often in my life. It's easy for somebody in my position and how God uses me regularly, it's easy for somebody like me to exalt themselves. You understand that? It's very easy. Look at me. Look, what I, look how many I had in church. Look what happened here. Look how many people got saved when I preached that message. It would be easy for a guy like me to exalt themselves. Calling up some friends and saying, hey, I had this happen and this happened and that happened. What's the Bible say there? If I want to remove the blessing of God in my life and my family, then, I ought to, then, then that's the attitude I should have. Because it says right there, God resisteth the proud. 
Let's look at this scripture some more here. I, I want you to notice here, subject. look at verse 5 again, where it says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Church family, it would be foolish of me, foolish of me, to not ask the opinion of my assistant pastors up here on the platform. Do you understand that? It would be foolish of me. But wait, you're the senior pastor. Okay, but they have opinions too, and they see a lot of things too. You know, every single one of these men that sit up on the platform with me, all six assistants, every single one of them have been in this place longer than I have. Every single one of them. That has some merit to it, doesn't it? Yes. Has some weight to it. Now let's talk especially about Brother Martini and Brother Williams. These guys are old guys. I'm just, I'm having fun with you. But listen, listen. Let me, let me draw you back in for a minute. Both of these men, not only are they elders to me, but they have both been in the ministry longer than I have. It would be foolish of me not to ask their opinion. That doesn't mean they get to make the decision. God put that on my shoulders. You understand that? God put that on my shoulders. He said, you're the pastor. You've got to make the decision. You're supposed to be walking with me. I'm going to give the vision of the church to you. You've got to make the decision. But it doesn't matter. I can still ask the opinion of these men right here because they've been in ministry a lot longer than I have. Brother Williams has seen some things that I haven't seen. Like tea parties. Amen. Brother Martini's seen a lot of things that I haven't seen. Amen? He's showing it tonight, that scruffy beard, man. I, I, I want to grow up someday. Be cool, too. I want to grow up someday, man. Uh, but listen here, listen here. It would be foolish of me, listen to me, church. It would be foolish of me not to heed the counsel of these deacons that God has given us. I'm telling you what, I love our deacons. They are godly men. When the Bible says here in the book of Acts that they, they called out, set apart seven men full of the Holy Ghost to be deacons and to serve tables, praise God for it. That's what we have here. Amen. Man, I've watched them work here recently and watched them do some things and handle some things, some spiritual things. I'm just so pleased to be working right alongside them because they're godly, spiritual men. I'd be, I'd be foolish not to heed their counsel. They keep, they, they keep me accountable. Tonight we have a deacon's meeting. You know what's going to go on in that deacon's meeting? Let me give you a little picture here. I'm going to say, hey, deacons, this is, this is where we are financially. This is what we're doing here and this is what we're doing here. You all men see this. Is there any problem? Do you have any questions at all? Isn't that okay? Amen. To be held accountable. Amen? Amen? Right. Why? Because they're deacons of this church. And they're, and they're men set apart for a reason. To keep me accountable and to help me along the way. Amen? Amen? Come on now, it's Bible, and we ought to be held accountable. Hey, listen here. Sometimes a pastor can be put in a spot where he can do no wrong. And that, that right there, right there, it doesn't matter if somebody else does it. The pastor ought to, ought to claim, call that out and say, no, I can't be that way. Listen here, I'm your pastor, and I'm going to fail you. I'm going to fail you. I already have for some of you. Some of you have already been upset with me. You want to raise your hands? I can't believe he did that. Get your hands down. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not fooling you here. I'm telling you, 
I've already offended some of you, and I apologize for that. That's not my, my, that's not my desire, but it happens. I, I talk a lot. God gave me that spot to talk a lot. And when I run my mouth, things happen sometimes. I apologize. That's not my intention, but that happens. And I ask your forgiveness there. I'm going to fail you. My family is going to let you down because we're just a bunch of sinners. Please don't put me on some pedestal that I can do no wrong and that when I do, then, then everything comes crashing down. Listen, listen, come on now, please. God forbid this, but if, if Satan got me, this church ought to keep going. Because it's not built on me. It's built on Jesus Christ. Now, God forbid that, but come on now. You with me? Too often we are so focused on ourselves and we're all about this pride. Let's talk about these words. Look at humility here, verse 5. He says, uh, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. The word humility means modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance, rank, etc. Hmm. Consider that for a minute. The word humility means modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance, rank, etc. And God tells us to be clothed in humility. Now consider that for a minute. Clothed in humility. We're also supposed to put off something and put on something, aren't we? The Bible says, put off the old man. The flesh. You really think you're something. Put it off. Get it off of there. Die to self and say, it's not about you and your plan and your program and what you think is best. And then he says, put on humility. Be clothed in humility. Grab that coat of humility and say, God, what do you want of me? Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, show me how you want to use me today. Lord, I know, I, I know I've worked this, I've, I've, I've taught this Sunday school class for 10 years. And God, I can do it in my own strength and I can, I can have a show. But Lord, what's that going to do? Lord, help me today bring you glory because I'm trusting you to lead me and guide me and not in my own, my own mind and my own smarts and my own thinking where I've exalted myself. Because I know what I'm doing because I've done it for 10 years. Against or with? Do you, I, I'm just a visual guy. I, I sit here, I'm thinking, as I, I pray, often I've told you this, I pray as, I, as I'm driving to church in the morning, in the evening, I'm praying, asking the Lord to bless and help. And I think about, as I'm thinking through the day and the different things, the choir and, and the songs and, and uh, the different parts and then the preaching time, do I want God saying, come on, let's do this together. I'm with you. Come on. I want to bless you. I want to guide you. I want to give you the words to say. Yeah, so the screens aren't going to work tonight, but I got you because I got something else in plan. I got another plan. Come on, let's do this together. And I'm going to give you the words and I'm going to help you. and I'm going to give you the grace and I'm going to give you the message to preach tonight. Amen? Versus God saying, no. That word resist right there, it means to oppose. The root of it means to be opposite of. Let's say, uh, 
looking around here a little bit. Tom Parishup. Let's just say we got Tom up here. Tom's a pretty, pretty good, good sized guy, beefy guy, right? And he gets here and he stands here. And then I get little Marshall, my Marshall up here. <laughs> right? It's not a very good illustration because we're talking about me and God. But you understand, I'm just trying to give you a visual tonight. Tom Parashuk, right? Oh, that was Brother Rubio today, I forgot. Okay, he was, Brother Rubio was walking around like this today. And my little Marshall. And he says, Marshall, come on, get past me. All Brother Parashuk's got to do is put his hand on his head. Marshall's going. He's just got his hand out on his head. You with me? I don't want God against me. Do you? I don't want God to resist me. I don't want Him to push against me. I hear I am trying to serve Him. I'm trying to do something for Him. I'm trying to teach a class. I'm trying to preach a message. I'm trying to run a bus route. I'm trying to do this thing. And God's saying, nope. Because you're doing it in your own power. And you don't have my blessing. I don't want that. I don't think you want it either. But that's exactly what our pride is doing. That's exactly what we're doing when we, when we say, God, I got this. God, you know I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. Lord, thank you that I'm not like this guy. Who's dealing with that problem right there? Lord, thank you that I'm not like that guy. Doesn't the Bible say something about comparing ourselves among ourselves? Yeah, it says, you're not wise, right? Why? Because pride gets in there. And then I've got opposition with God. Why is God not using you the way He wants to use you? Do you think God doesn't want to have revival in this place? think God doesn't want to see souls saved in this place happen? Shoo! I'm talking about people getting saved regularly and, and getting baptized every Sunday, and I'm saying, busting at the seams. Why wouldn't God want that? He's not willing that any should perish. But, he's too, but we're too busy in our pride getting opposed by God instead of being blessed. Come on, church, this is real. This is right here in Scripture. Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The word proud here means appearing above others or halty. Many of you would know this passage. If we were to go to Proverbs chapter 6 right now, God has a list, doesn't He? He's got a list that says, These six things doth the Lord hate, and seven are an abomination unto Him. What is the very first thing on that list? A proud look. That's the preacher who's got it all, all together. You with me? I got this. It is so easy for any one of us to be that way. It's so easy. Do you want God to be against you or with you? Now let's talk about practical here for a minute and we'll, we'll be done. Let's talk about our ministries. It was church family here tonight, right? Many of us were involved in ministries today. Let's talk about it. God wants to use you. 
He wants to bless this place. He wants to bless your ministry. But we're too busy getting in the way. Aren't we? I know a lot of you make a lot of you make food for your Sunday school class. That is awesome. Thank you for doing that. Blessing that you get to eat together and fellowship together in Sunday school and Sunday mornings. But there's a, there's a difference between having a servant's heart and saying, sure, I'll do whatever you need. What, what do you want me to make? Help. Or coming in here, man, this is going to knock the socks off of everybody. And this is so much better than they had last week. Just wait till they get a taste of this thing right here. You with me? It is so easy for us to do that, isn't it? Look at me. Look what I can do. Our class is growing now, Brother Martini. The last guy that had that class, man, he only wished he could have this many. Praise God. I'm busting at the seams. Preacher, I need a bigger room. Bless God. Look at me. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with a, a class or a bus growing. God giveth the increase. But when you put it on yourself and you're taking the glory, all of a sudden, instead of this, we get this. Because God resisteth the proud. Why can I get nowhere? Why are my wheels spinning? Why is God not blessing? Why are we not growing here? Why do I keep hitting rejection? Why do I keep hitting? Maybe because God's opposing you. Maybe it's because my rotten, stinking pride's in the way. Come on now. If this whole message, listen here, listen here. This whole message tonight, saying, yep, that person needs that. Man, they need that. Get them. Get them, preacher. That guy needs that thing, man, right there. Then God's against you. Because every one of us have, we all love our own hide, our own flesh. Man has no problem loving himself. You with me now? I'm talking about mankind. I'm talking to ladies too. Okay? We got no problem loving ourselves. Man, look, I looked in the mirror today and I said, Whew, my wife is a lucky woman. <laughs> Why? It's in the Woolard blood. You, you got, when you got it, you just got it. I mean, come on. Right? Dad, just calm down back here. Calm down. All right. I'm having some fun with you, but listen here. That is so easy for us to do because we think we've got it all. we got it all together. We know it all. We've accomplished all. We can do it better than this person. Listen, when I, I, had, I had to be awfully careful when I was an assistant. They called me associate. I was, better, I was bigger than assistant. I'd been on staff for a while, so they called me associate, right? But it was so easy for me. Man, preacher. We could do it better if we just did it this way. God hadn't made me pastor. But sometimes I thought he ought to had. You with me? Preacher, we can do it better if we just did it this way. Preacher, I got better, I got a better idea. Just let me have it. To my shame, I said that a couple times. People liked me and they told me that and it got to my head sometimes. Sometimes I'd say, why am I not the pastor yet? 
This is what I, we were, when I got hired, this was, you were grooming me to become the pastor and you told me five years and it's been at the last point, 14. God was saying, cause I'm trying to teach you something. You stinking prideful man. Slow down, calm down. You need to be humbled. And that's what 14 years was, was God humbling me. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, you ask my family, I'm a prideful man. And this is something I have to work on regularly. I have to confess this sin before God because it's in my flesh. It's who I am. It's, it's what I feel. Well, I've got a better idea. I've got a better plan. I can do this better than so-and-so. I can do this, and let's do it this way. No, 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 no. Why is it that it's always me opening my mouth in a group of people? Because I'm prideful. God forgive me. Amen? My Bible says in Psalm 75, Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. That's God. Not me. And God had to teach me a thing and to put me, in the, put, put me in my place. So what do I want tonight? What do you want tonight? You want God to be against you and resist you? Or do you want God to be with you and bless you and help you? How do, what do you want for your ministry and your family? Come on now. So what do we do here, preacher? What do we do? Be clothed with humility. Let's put off the flesh. Put off our pride. And let's put on the humility. Put on the new man. Now, the Spirit of God who's working on us, amen, put on humility and say, Lord, I'll be patient and I'll wait. You show me what you want. Yeah, I got some ideas for the bus ministry. Am I supposed to steamroll Brother Martini and just blow him out of the water? No, because God didn't put me in that spot. He put him in that spot. So maybe I need to just say, here's, here's a suggestion and back off. It's not my decision, it's his. Here it is and I'll back off. Because God put him there. Amen? I try to do that as the pastor. I know I give vision and I give direction as the pastor. But I've got assistance in certain places for a reason. And they're given authority for a reason to oversee a place. It is not my place to come plow right over them and say, Listen, I want you to do it this way instead because you're doing it wrong. Now sometimes there is place for that. And, I, and they would submit and they would be fine. But I have to, as a, as a man, do right and say, I put you in that spot. I gave you that position. You have to make the decision. Here's what I'm seeing, but the decision's yours because I put you there. Sometimes we husbands, we, we are awful at this. We, say, we, we, give, we give authority to our wife in an area, and then here we are some, some uh, just prideful jerk and come in and blow her out of the water when we've told her to make the decision on this thing, but we, we didn't like it later and we blew her right out of the water. Give your wife uh, 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 authority over the finances or authority over the inside of the house or this thing of the house. And then we come along and blow them right out of the water. What are we doing? We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Amen? We already gave her that authority. Just like I gave Brother, Brother Martini the authority of the buses. Amen? Amen? When it comes to missions, who do you think I go to? I go to Brother Williams and ask him questions. What do you think about this? What are we doing here? Tell me what you want. Tell me what your opinion is. Why? Because he's in the authority in that spot. Take off the flesh, die to self, and put on the coat of humility. Put on the, be clothed with humility. Do I want pride 
to keep me from having the blessing of God. Do I want pride, my own pride, to keep me from God being on my side and giving grace and blessing and help and opening doors? Or do I want to be resisted? The Bible says right there, it's, it's all about my attitude. It's all about my pride. Do I want, here it is now, come on, do I want pride to keep me out of heaven? I've been a good person. I've raised a good family. Everybody thinks I'm doing just fine. I look to be like everybody else. I'm just one of the group. But you've never confessed your sin before God and asked Him to save you, and you're going to die and go to hell unless you swallow your pride and say, Lord, forgive a sinner like me and save my soul. That's still Bible, and God says you need to get saved. Let's bow our heads together, please. Lord, help us tonight, please. God, the preacher right here, God, me, the one that's supposed to lead by example, yet, Lord, I am so full of pride. Forgive me of that, God, please. Lord, others tonight, God, we're, we're fathers and, and mothers of families, Lord, and, and in charge of this and that thing. We've got a little authority and we let it go to our heads. God, we're so full of pride and we are being resisted. God, you are opposing us, resisting us. You're, you're pushing against us because it's all about us and our flesh and our program. God, forgive us, please. Help us tonight. Lord, may people come and do business with God tonight. I recognize my sin, God. I ask your forgiveness, please. I wonder if there's another, if there's another Lord, that would come and do business with God tonight. Maybe somebody here tonight needs to get saved. They don't know about heaven. They don't know about hell. But they would like to be saved. They want to spend eternity in heaven. They want to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But God, they've been good their whole life. They've been a, they've been a nice person. They've been a, a, an upstanding citizen. But yet, they've never been saved. Lord, help us not to let pride keep us out of heaven. Help us not to let pride keep us from, uh, from repenting of our sin and turning to a Savior. Lord, help us tonight, please. Bless this invitation, please. Church family, would you